Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. Well, we want to welcome you to the program, and I can't wait to introduce you to the guests that we have today. We are so blessed to have with us uh, these two gentlemen that are just people that are on my heart every day. You're going to love hearing from them, and we want to start by introducing you to Senator Kevin Sparks of District 31. Uh, Thanks for coming and joining us on the program. Well, thanks for having me today. Glad to be here. You guys have a busy schedule, and we found the 30 minutes, I think, that you were open. So I appreciate that so much. You're very welcome. Well, let me tell you about Kevin. Kevin is a Texas Senate member. Uh, He joined the Senate in 2023, right? Correct. Okay. And he is a conservative businessman and community leader in Midland, Texas, with deep West Texas roots. Uh, Kevin received a Bachelor of Business Administration from... You Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. you, Ronnie. I can't believe we even <laughs> let him in the room. <laughs> University of Texas at Austin in 1985 and then returned home to Midland where he began his nearly 40-year career in the oil and gas industry. Kevin and his wife, Jill, raised four children in Midland and are enjoying their growing family, welcoming their first grandson, uh, recently, yeah, you have fr- a granddaughter. Friday night, too. I have a granddaughter. Friday. She just turned one. Okay, granddaughter and grandson now, so right. two in the mix, That's one right. of each. Awesome. For over thirty years, the Sparks have served their community as young life and church leaders. Um, they lead small groups and mentor young couples, bringing up their own families. Also, Kevin likes to hunt and fly fish. I'm learning how to fly fish. That's pretty fun. It's it's a fantastic sport. It is way more entertaining than normal fishing. I think so. Yeah, I like it. And then you guys will remember and recognize uh, Ronnie Jackson. I never know exactly what to call Ronnie. I'm so impressed with all the things that he's done. But let me read to you um, the bio on Ronnie Jackson. Congressman Ronnie Jackson proudly serves the people of Texas 13th District in Congress. And he sits on the House Armed Services Committee, the Foreign Affairs Committee, the House Committee on Agriculture, and the Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. Praise God. Jackson is from West Texas and is a graduate of Texas A&M University and the University of Texas Medical Branch. After earning his MD, Jackson began a 25-year active-duty career in the U.S. Navy, retiring as a Rear Admiral in 2019. While serving on the battlefield in Iraq, he was called back to the States to serve in the White House during President George W. Bush's administration. Ronnie Jackson would ultimately lead the White House Medical Unit as physician to the president during the Obama and Trump administrations. And in 2019, President Trump appointed him as chief medical advisor and assistant to the president. Uh, Ronnie is married to his wife, Jane, of 30 years, and they have three children and their first grandson. That's right. He was born in December. Yeah, just a month old. Oh, wow. Your life is going to (laughs) change for the better. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. And we're going to talk today about faith. One of the things that we decided to focus on on this program for all of 2024 is how can we 
view the culture that we live in as believers um, from a vantage point of this is an adventure. The Lord is taking us somewhere. Hmm. We've got to build up our spiritual muscles along the way. Uh, We're going to come up against obstacles. I don't think things are going to get easier. But if we can develop these spiritual muscles or principles, the first one we're talking about being faith, we can have a stronger impact on the world around us. So today we're going to talk about faith. And when I was praying about you guys coming on, the scripture that I've been praying for you is Ephesians 4, 4 through 7. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Mm -hmm. And so living worthy of the calling that you've received. And your calling is different than my calling. But we all need the grace that comes from our relationship with Christ. So my first question to you is, how did your faith impact your decision to enter government? And has government impacted your faith? Whichever one of you wants to go first. Well, I'll tell you, I think, Candy, I'll just, I'll just jump right in and, and be pretty brief here. But I don't see how, you know, uh, your faith cannot, you know, impact. I mean, I, I guess if you ask me, how did my faith impact my decision to run? Because I felt like this, the, the world was turning in a direction where it was a direct attack on my faith, right? Yeah. And I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you try not to get into politics, you, you try not to be political, uh, but you have to be nowadays. You, there's there's no way to, to do, uh, to, to, to live the life that, you know, that we expect to be able to live in this country and not get political anymore. Right. You know, politics uh, it degenerated from, you know, between Republicans and Democrats in general, where it used to be fights over the budget and over government spending and things of that nature, to what is really boiled down to just pure good versus evil You're in a right. lot of ways. You're and right. you, you can't just, you know, uh, not have a political opinion anymore and still be a person of faith. You're right. uh, things have changed so far. I mean, the, the left has driven things so so far into that evil direction that you can't be silent anymore. And so I don't think that, I, the, and that's why I got into politics, to be honest with you. I never thought about running for office. We've talked about this before. It never really crossed my mind. But, uh, you know, and but you know, God led me to, to where I'm at today uh, through a, a whole series of circumstances that ended up uh, with me becoming frustrated and me becoming seriously concerned about the future of my kids and my grandkids mm-hmm. uh, and, and whether or not they would even have a country that I would recognize anymore, uh, the, the one that was similar to that we grew up in, uh, where, we could, where we could be people of faith and not be persecuted and not, uh, you know, not, not be public enemy number one. Right. And so I, I think that, you know, uh, it's just, uh, I think people all over, you know, th- there are a lot of people that, that, have, that have told me before that, you know, they generally uh, just, uh, you know, wanted to stay out of politics and, you know, and they didn't want to mix, uh, you know, their faith with their politics. But it's just not possible anymore. You're if right. you're going to be a person of faith, you have to have a political opinion about what's going on in this country because they are attacking your your ability uh, to, uh, to follow the Lord. You're right. And I think that part of the reason we are in the state we are in is because believers for so long thought, well, we'll just be nice. 
We'll just mind our own business and they'll leave us alone and we'll leave them alone. Well, we've left them alone and we are now in a very, very different state than where we grew up. So I agree 100 percent. Well, you know, people a lot of times think that Jesus was apolitical. That's not true. I mean, Jesus was during his time, during his ministry, he was addressing a lot of the same issues that are plaguing our society today. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't skirting. He wasn't beating around the bush. He was calling it out because what we're suffering from today is a culture of sin. You're right. And so, yeah, he's doing it in a in a loving way, um, which we try to do. But this idea that that Jesus was apolitical is, is just it's wrong. not correct. You're right. You're right. How did your faith in Christ prompt you to run for office? Well, so it's interesting. I had no intentions of running for office either. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife, Jill, and I got involved in state politics probably 20 years ago um, with this idea that we could already see the decline of our country in Washington, D.C., and it was my thought, you know, I don't know if we can save D.C., but we've got to save Texas yeah. for our kids and grandkids. Yeah. And so we got involved in organizations like the Texas Public Policy Foundation where we really got up to speed on issues, um, and we really felt like we were doing our part mm-hmm. and felt good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, after our fourth child went off to college, I got approached by some friends asking if I would consider running for this position. Um, and honestly, after Jill and I prayed a couple of days, we couldn't come up with a good enough reason not to say yes is mm-hmm. kind of how I like to say it. But, and so that was kind of the, that, that was what motivated us to decide to run. But I go back about four years prior to that as my, my youngest was getting into high school and I was no longer caught up in coaching activities and doing a lot of that stuff. I could feel my, my schedule changing and I began to pray, God, what is it that you want me to do in this next phase of life? Right. And I went through literally more than four years of not hearing anything. And it was about three months into the campaign when it's like, oh, oh. this this is it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it was kind of a backdoor deal. I'm, maybe I'm just slow. But <laughs> no. um, it, it was a real shock when I realized what God's really called us to do is to be Jesus in the capital in Austin. Right. And so that's kind of my story. Oh, wow. I like it. I like that you were three months in and then you're like, I, wait. Like I said, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm known to be a little slow. No, you're but, not. But, but eventually picked up on it. I love that the Lord, even when we're on a path, if we start to go a direction he hasn't called us, he has his way of just nudging you back uh, where he wants you to be. Okay, so here's the meat of what I really want to talk about. And poor, poor Congressman Jackson here. There's been a few. I, I don't do it near every time. But there's some days when I watch the news and I'm like, heaven help us, Ronnie. What yeah. are we going to do? I've just quit watching the news. <laughs> well, I have to limit. I mean, my yeah. husband and I, Brian's like, three minutes a day, that's all you get. I'll let you know which three minutes you should come in and watch because, I mean, I can start out great quiet time, great time with the Lord, and then five minutes of Fox News, and I am in a bad spot. 
That's what I want you to help me communicate to women and men and families and believers. Um, How do we deal with this feeling of just being completely overwhelmed by these political issues that you're dealing with every day? And instead of feeling fearful and overwhelmed, what can we do to be a better part of the process and help you in what you're doing? And I guess the best way to do that is to talk about some of the big issues that we're facing right now. Mm-hmm. And I would love, I have a list of the ones that are the biggest ones to me, but I would love to hear from your perspectives. What do you think the biggest issue politically is that you're dealing with right now? Go ahead. I can tell you what the what I think is the number one issue that's uh, that, that's destroying this country right now, because a lot of the other issues that you see they they all lead back to this, and it's the weaponization of our government. We have people in power, the people that you know that, that that are that are trying to corrupt this country, and they are in positions of authority right now, and they are using those positions of authority to come after their political enemies, people that don't share their that you know that that don't share their uh, their same uh, worldview, mm-hmm. uh, Christians and and uh, in particular, and uh, so. Uh, I think that uh, if we don't address the issue of uh, weaponization of our government uh, at all levels, not just the federal government, the federal government, the state government, even at the local level, you can see it happen. Uh, If we don't address that issue, uh, we are going to be in serious, serious trouble because we are going to lose the freedoms that we have in this country. We're already losing them. You you can see that, uh, you know, the the Biden administration over the last two years, three years has, has has made a lot of effort to, uh, to take a lot of the freedoms that we have as Americans away from us and to put all of the responsibility back in the lap of the government. And that's what they want. They want to be the complete authority on everything. That's why they're so threatened by Christians, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, because uh, they want government to be your God. They mm-hmm. don't want, you know, uh, Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. They want the United States government to be your Lord and Savior. Right. And, uh, and, 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 and they're doing a pretty good job right now of, uh, of undermining uh, the rest of us. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so we, we have to stop that. It's just, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's no two ways about it. And if you want to in a minute, I'll tell you, I know you're going to ask maybe in a minute, but what we can, what we can do to, uh, you know, uh, to feel like we have some control over what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe me, I struggle with that every day. It's been super frustrating. I spent my first two years in Congress in the minority in the House of Representatives uh, and also in a situation where the Democrats controlled the Senate and the White House. Uh, and you talk about a, a, a serious... Uh, Having your uh, hands tied yeah, behind it, it was your just back. Literally banging your head against the wall every day. Mm-hmm. It was the most helpless, uh, just frustrating uh, feeling of, you know, just uh, you felt like you were just wasting your time. It was just uh, super frustrating. It's, uh, it's gotten a little bit better, uh, you know, now that we have the majority in the House, but not a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still can't do a whole lot because uh, we only control one half of uh, you know the House of Representatives. Uh, and you know it's also been frustrating. I'll be honest with you, and we can talk more later if you want. I've been frustrated with my own party in this regard. Mm-hmm. You know there are a lot of uh, establishment Republicans out there that are just as big of a part of the problem as uh, as the Democrats are. That's right. And uh, and and when when we talk later, I'll tell you that that's that's where we address the issue at. If you ask me, but, okay. Uh, we we've got to we've we've got to reestablish control of the White House in particular, but mm-hmm. also the House and the Senate before we can uh, make any progress. Okay, let me ask you this question, and I don't know how appropriate this is, but this is just legitimately what goes through my mind. I am worried about the election period Mm -hmm. because I I don't feel like it's fair, and I just hope and pray that we really are electing a president or at any level, are we really electing them? And what do you say to that? 
well, I say I'm just as worried about it as you are. Okay. We have a big problem right now. Bigger, one of the biggest problems we have is that, you know, uh, according to the Constitution, the states get to decide how the elections are conducted, even the federal elections, right? They they control the, uh, you know, the when, the where, the how uh, for, in their uh, state. for the most part for in their state for federal elections, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where the fraud came in last time because yes. there were people that constitutionally, it's the state legislatures, not just anybody in the state, but the state legislatures. And uh, that's why I didn't vote to certify the votes, uh, you know, initially in the because uh, there was all kinds of, there were all kinds of uh, groups of people, uh, you know, whether it was uh, county clerks or uh, judges or whoever it was that were, that were changing election laws right before the election took place. And that's just that's just unconstitutional. It's illegal. It shouldn't have been allowed to happen. But it and did. there's proof right. that it happened. There's absolute proof that yes. it happened. It happened in overwhelming numbers. They deny it. You know, and it's in there's a process right now, in, you know, to to solidify some of that. Look at Pennsylvania, for example, the state of Pennsylvania right now. They just passed a law that if you apply for a driver's license or a state issued ID, you will automatically, automatically, without asking for it, get a, mail, a ballot mailed to your residence automatically. Here's the kicker. You don't have to be a U.S. citizen to get a driver's license or a state-issued ID. So we're going to have, and, and there's a tiny box somewhere on the form that I'm sure is almost impossible to find where you can opt out and say that you're not, that you don't want a, uh, you know, that you don't, you don't want, want or you're vote. not eligible for, for a ballot. But they, they. All these people are going to come in, all of these people that are illegal, that are here in the United States, that don't have any right to be here in the United States right now, they're going to get ballots mailed to the address that they put down. Someone's going to go behind them and harvest these ballots, fill these ballots out, and stuff the ballot boxes with You're them. Right. That's what happens every single time. And the frustrating thing for me is it's 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 degenerated it's to a point now where it's not, you know, uh, we don't even have a voice of that much in, in, in who, who our president is here in the state of Texas because there's there's four or five swing states, and it's not even the states. It's four or five large cities like Philadelphia, Atlanta, places like that, uh, that are in these cities where that where the corruption takes place, where the cheating and the, and the voter fraud takes place, and that's what swings the entire election. Right. So you know, I, I like like you, I, you know, uh, the the main thing we do is to just pray about it, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and hope that you know uh, that you know the Lord intervenes at some, yeah. at some point yeah. and stops some of this. But the, you know, uh, we we have to act as well. Yeah. And so you know, I'm going to push hard. I mean. You know, I think we have to change the. You know, we have to change it somehow. Where there, there has to be rules that apply to all of the states when it comes to the federal elections. And I right. don't know exactly how we do that because it kind of it butts up against the Constitution a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. But it can be done. We need to figure this out. Uh, and you know, we we uh, we we have to. Uh, and this is what I'll tell everybody: if the one thing you can do that will make an actual difference is, you know, you would be shocked if you went around and talked to all of your neighbors and you found out how many people are actually registered to vote. A lot of people are her- are terrified, horrified with what's going on in this country right now, but they, they are not vote. registered to vote. They yeah. don't vote. So if you get out and you you find as many of your neighbors as you possibly can and get them registered to vote, and when election day comes, and remember, there's a deadline to register to vote. I don't remember what it is right now, but it's a it's a it's a good month in in a, in advance of the election where you have to be registered get out and get registered to vote and then go get these people and take them to the polls on election day Mm -hmm. at least in the state of texas we can be overwhelmingly red again and that's going to spread throughout this country i'm saying that i campaign uh you know uh, for the party uh, for other candidates all over this country Mm -hmm. not just in the state of texas and that's what i tell people everywhere i go get out in overwhelming numbers i promise you there will be a lot of fraud on the other side and the only way we're going to overcome that fraud is to turn out in massive massive numbers and then have people that are willing to go to these polling places and be eyes on on what's happening yes. and have the courage to report some of this stuff. And which we've had that, in, people do that in the past, but we have to continue we to do, do. that at, at, at all costs. That's right. That's great. I think the latest numbers that I've seen is that somewhere between 30 and 35% of churchgoers actually vote. 
So if you, Isn't that I mean, sad? You, you think about if the Christian community would actually go out and vote, mm-hmm. we'd win elections. They yeah. wouldn't be able to manufacture enough votes to overcome um, the Christian community. That's right. But we don't. You're right. And we have very few pastors that are engaged enough to talk about these issues from the stage. Mm-hmm. And... We need them to do that. We need them. I'll tell you, uh, Kevin, that has to change too. And that is changing slowly but surely. But I've I've talked about this at length with with Ricky Fowler on his show, you know, uh, because I don't know if you guys remember or not, but they came after him uh, because he was speaking out in the pulpit, you know, from, uh, you know, and sharing his uh, political views and what was going on. Well, those days are over. You know, where they they try to tell uh, people that are on the right, like, you cannot mix politics and religion. Because we'll take your nonprofit status. That's right. We'll take your nonprofit status. We'll do all this, what they tried to do to him. do all this stuff to come after you to persecute you well it only seems to apply to people on the right because on the left you can have joe biden and kamala harris in the pulpit on a sunday morning you know talking politics all day long so i think that the standard has been set now the left has has completely set the standard and i encourage every single pastor out there to talk about politics when you're in the pulpit you have to because like i said before it's good versus evil now it's not just we're not talking about you know just budget budget issues and things of that nature we're talking about issues issues that impact your faith. That's right. Yeah, and they they don't really even have to talk about politics. All they have to do is speak truth from the pulpit. It's speak the word, yeah. Because it's very clear. Yeah. And then, you know, they might want to distribute the national platform of the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. Right. And if you speak the truth and then you look at those two platforms— I think it'll be pretty clear. Yeah. You don't have to endorse anybody. You nope. just have to tie what's going on in this country on a day-to-day basis back to the Word of God. What's gotcha. in the and it's very clear which uh, which party is on the is on the right side of this and which is on the wrong side. You're right. I agree a hundred percent. Okay, Kevin, what do you think state-wise? What do you feel like is? Or you said you had a topic. Yeah. Well, no, it's kind of that. Um, I. My kind of what I'm focused on right now is I think there are probably a handful of issues that the state of Texas needs to make sure we're getting correct. Mm -hmm. And that is that way, if Washington, D.C. melts down, um, you know, we're the eighth largest economy in the world. Right. We're larger than Russia Mm -hmm. uh, economically. We have everything that we need to be a standalone entity. And so... We need to make sure that, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. So, you know, we need to make sure our grid is reliable. There's a lot of work left to be done on that. I think we need to find a legal way to make sure that our citizens' investments are protected. Scares me to death to see what Canada did to the truckers where they just froze all their accounts. Like, you know, I'm in the oil and gas business. I can tell you the first people they're going to freeze accounts for is going to be the oil and gas people. You're right. Because right? if they can shut down energy, they've got us by the throat. That's right. Um, you know, there are a handful of those kinds of issues that I really believe Texas needs to be focused on this next session to just make sure that if, if things really unravel, we've got a good hold because there'll be a number of states that I think will coalesce around Texas and give us a chance to kind of revive what we know as, as our country. That's right. 
And just like Kevin said, whether it's uh, energy policy, whether it's, uh, you know, the transgender issue that they're pushing down, the forcing down the throats of our kids, uh, whether it's the abortion issue, you know, the uh, full term abortions. You know, I was watching TV while ago. I was watching Fox News and uh, John Pierre, whatever her name is, the press secretary, uh, you know, they were asking her a question about abortion. And she would not under any circumstances say that they were opposed to full term abortion. I mean, we're talking about aborting kids that are like literally about live. to be born at yes. any minute. Right. Yes. And they're thinking that they're saying they will not say that's that it's not okay to 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 abort or to kill those children right, right. so this is the kind of stuff no, but no matter what it is they're going to use the government the doj you know the epa the sec uh the, the fda right. all of these they're going to use all of these organizations that have incredible power and authority to come after you if you speak up about any of those issues you're right and that is weaponizing that That's is it. the government yeah. weaponizing itself against the people and against our leaders. they have the control to destroy your life if you don't if you don't if you don't uh a puppet the same the puppet their narrative that's right and yeah and that and they've proven in the last several years that they're not afraid to do that oh no they are not no and they don't have reason to be because they are running the show right now the show. They yeah they used to the i mean show. you know if you look back 15 20 years ago some of this stuff would happen every now and then a little bit they tried their best to hide it to cloak it right to make and sure that the american people right. didn't see what they're doing they don't care anymore not they anymore. do it out in the open they could care yep. less who knows that they're weaponizing government against us that's right well and that's what we see here at hope choice we're we're working with uh, teenagers and college kids and uh, their parents, and we're trying to help them and equip them to raise godly families. Well, I was just talking to a group of moms this weekend, and the sad fact is, you know, 15 years ago, we were talking to kids about abstaining from sex. you That's the Word of God says right. you don't have sex until you're married. Right. Well, now parents are like, if my child wants to have sex with the opposite sex, I'm going to call that a win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is so wrong. So tragic. And tragic. Yes. And we feel like we can't even speak out for truth. Right. We know of a doctor who practiced in New Mexico. Uh, my husband is working with this man who was a, he's in his 60s incredible ER doc. He's been, he served New Mexico for all these years. And last year he had a man come in for treatment in the hospital, wanting to be called a woman's name and with female pronouns. Well, to this patient, he called the guy, whatever the guy wanted to be called. And in the notes he wrote, this is a biological male. Here are the things he's presenting with. They call him yeah. back in. Yeah. And say, change your notes. You know, this is insane. Change your notes. It matters. The care you get matters whether you're a man or a woman. Uh, you know, there's, <laughs> you there's have decades damn of research of that, you know, that, you know, if you have chest pain and I have chest pain and you're a woman and I'm a man, the differential is completely different. That's right. right? So it's not in that patient's best interest for him to change his note. But that's how crazy they are. It's crazy. Well, yeah. this man lost his job yeah. and is now in a lawsuit against the state of New Mexico to make sure that he keeps his license yeah. because he called a male a male yeah. in the medical notes. I mean, it. we have departed <laughs> from reason. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. It is insane. Well, when you have a Supreme Court justice um, candidate that won't give you a definition of a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And then Saturday Night Live is making fun of the people right. interviewing her. Right. Yeah. It's. Yeah. It's it's mind blowing. Um, okay, so we know that what we can do, and I'm talking about we people that don't hold office, we really don't have power. 
Um, what would you advise us to do to help be part of the change, to support what you're doing? We need to get our friends out to vote. We need to vote. We need to vote based off of our faith. What yep. else can we do? Well, I think, you know, as believers, I think you need to go to your church leaders and you need to have a heart-to-heart talk and say, you know, we, we need to talk about these issues from up front. Because the reality is, you know, 90% of the people in the congregation are not having a daily Bible study. Right. And But they're getting their information from somewhere, mm-hmm. likely the Internet. So we need to speak truth from the stage about the issues that are plaguing our community. You're right. And it's up to those who really understand to go to their church leaders and say, you're doing the Bible and, and you know, other believers a disservice if you're not giving them the whole truth. That's right. That's right. And as long as even and if we're, you know, going to abide by the law, even as a nonprofit, we can stand for issues. Sure. We cannot endorse a candidate, mm-hmm. but we can represent issues, issues. and sure. what the word. And like I said, Kenny, you don't even know. You, you know, it, it's not. Uh, it's not that subtle anymore. You're right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can you can just represent the issues and not say another word, and it's very clear uh, because uh, the, the candidates in most cases are so polarized. There's not. They don't share any middle ground at all. So if you feel strongly about whatever, or for the people that are listening, you feel strongly about whatever issue you're bringing up. It's very obvious which candidate they should vote for at that particular point. And that's the other thing, too. I say do your homework as well because, you know, it's not just about electing Republicans anymore. In my mind, I say this is a Republican member of Congress here in the number one most conservative district in the entire United States. But, uh, you know, it's about electing the right people, right, the right Republicans in my mind because we have a lot of establishment Republicans out there uh, that, that just become part of the problem. And yeah. uh, so uh, you, you really need to do your research, you know, uh, and, 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 and don't just give your money to the party. Uh, you know, don't ever do that. Uh, give it to individual candidates and give it to the candidates that believe the same things that you believe. Yes, absolutely. There's one more issue, and I don't think we have really time to talk about it, but Ronnie might have something to say. Something that I am very, very concerned about is that we are giving over sovereignty to the World Health Organization. Is that happening? It's happening. It's happening everywhere. See, this this elite class, the, the Liberal Party, the Democrats have degenerated into a class. They used to be the working class party. They're not anymore. The Republicans are the That's blue right. collar working class party now. We just are. Ever since President Trump came in, the entire Republican Party has changed. There's only two groups of people in the Democrats, in the Democrat Party right now. They're the, uh, they're the, uh, the, the liberal elites, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who see themselves as smarter and more educated uh, in, in, you know, in, in, than anybody else. They're the ones that want to tell everybody what to do. And then there's this large group of people in the Democrat Party that are dependent on the government for everything they have. And their goal, the elite's goal, is to make that party or that part of the party as big as they possibly can. Because when they control your health care, your education, the money you have for groceries, for rent, everything else, then they control your vote. And they know that, right? So they want to have a welfare class and they want to have the political elites. And that's what they have right now. And you can see some of the stuff that was going on at Davos recently where they had this, where they get all these elites together and they, you know, they, they pat themselves 
calls on the back about how, you know how they're they're saving the world so on and so forth uh, and 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 these people uh, they they're destroying our country they yes. really are right and so uh, what was the question again the World Health Organization oh, yeah, the world. so the, the reason I say this is because a lot of uh, politicians here in the United States are you know want to be part of that group and and they they have this uh, if you're going to be part of that group it, it's mainly European politicians and things of that nature you have to have this global governance mentality right yeah uh, you know we as the United States are not a, a, a superpower not a, a global dominant power anymore we're just one of many of the little countries in Europe and we have one vote like everybody else does that's how they want us to be and they're making us that way so they want to control everything well that's not the case obviously we we control like you know vast majority of the economy and you know so, but yeah the World Health Organization is part of the United Nations the United Nations is a horrible institution I've said before you know we we, we pay like 85 percent of the budget for the World Health Organization and the United Nations and all they do is try to destroy our country we give them money to turn around and try to destroy who we are they should take the United Nations and the WHO and everything else they're in New York and push them off in the East River we should get yes. rid of them we shouldn't be a part of those organizations anymore we shouldn't listen to them anymore but they are trying their best to do that they're trying to pass laws overseas in these international symposiums and conferences that they're having that are gonna make us uh, uh, you know uh, we're, we're, we're we have to abide by these laws these international laws that they pass in which they can decide if there's a if, if there's a if there's a health emergency at any particular point and they can decide how much of our money we, it, that we have to put into it which will be substantially more than everybody else based on our economy and then they get to decide what what happens to US taxpayer dollars and where it goes and who it takes care of and it may not even be for people in the United States it may go overseas somewhere probably most likely will yeah. and so they, they want control of our economy and everything else and uh, the World Health Organization and what they're doing uh, with public health is just a is a perfect example of the stuff that's going on at all levels at the United Nations. You're right. And I've even read that they are saying that if there's another pandemic, mm-hmm. they can tell us in the United States yes. what you have to do. You yeah. can't go to school. You, right. can't, you have to oh, wear a mask. You have to get vaccinated. Not the United States government. The world health. They're going to be fully in charge of everything that happens. The money well, that I, we spent. I, I can I can tell you here in Texas that will never happen. I hope you're right. That will never Let happen. Yeehaw. I, I mean, the federal government may, may try and tell us what we're going to do along those lines. But not we gonna, wouldn't. Not going to happen. Go. Okay, that's good. I I am so encouraged to hear from you, um, and to see your passion, and we do see it. I know that sometimes. For sure, all all that you feel like you can do is get on the news and try to educate us about what's going on, and I appreciate that. Um, so we can vote. We can encourage our friends to vote. We can talk to our pastors about speaking about these issues from the pulpit. But we need to realize that the time is now. We've sat right. on the sidelines too long. Too long. There, there's a, Eric Metaxas put out a book a few years ago called Letters to the American Church, and he basically kind of looks at the church in Germany um, during the rise of Hitler mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of parallels. Oh, yeah, it is. It Sitting is. on the sidelines. That's right. Well, and then you even think, well, we'll do this much because then they'll be satisfied. 
Right. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's scary if you really think about it. I mean, look at what's happening right now in this country. You know, the way we saw the other day that the DOJ was actually had uh, had uh, told banks they went to banks and they were they were trying to get banks to query uh, for people that had done. Uh, they were going to they were going to allow the IRS and the DOJ to search uh, to look for people that were, you know, that were, you know, uh, searching key terms like MAGA, Cabela's, uh, yep. Bass Pro Shop, things of that nature. You know, because they want to know, like, who's buying guns, who's potentially and ammunition oh, yeah. and things of that nature. Right. Well, everybody. And, that and then I they're. <laughs> they're going to have 87,000 new IRS agents that they put in. They're going to go after these particular people. They're going to weaponize the IRS, which they've done in the past. They're going to do it again against these type of people. The stuff that's going on right now and the stuff they're getting away with, it looks like Soviet. It looks like the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany. Right. I mean, it's the early stages of what was going on in those exactly countries right. before. And yep. so if people don't see that happening, I don't know what to tell you, but people are starting to wake up. And that's the only thing that I think is going to save this country is, is people are finally starting to look around and they wake up. And I'll tell you the other thing, too. That drives me crazy, right? Is that the one thing the Biden administration has done? It started in the Obama administration, and I was there. I, you know, I was on active duty. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't. You know, I, I was, you know, I was on active house. duty. Yeah. I didn't have a political opinion at the time because uh, you know I was just like the Air Force One pilot or you know the Secret Service agents that were there. I was, I was doing a job in the military, but I saw it firsthand. Every single thing that happened in the Biden administration for eight years revolved around identity politics: straight versus gay, black versus white, man versus woman, rich versus poor. They tried to fragment us all, right? Make us all think that we were part of a persecuted minority and everybody else was out to get us. What's well, on steroids now in the Biden administration? It really is. And the thing I hate to see more than anything is the way that Joe Biden has re like he has reignited racism in this country, yes, right? Has. And he's done it for political purposes, right? right. And it's horrible. It's yeah. horrible. I remember back, you know, I, you go back to the Bushers or whatever. I don't remember ever thinking about race in anything I did. It never crossed my mind, right? That's right. But now it does because everything that they do is about race. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. It's all division. It is. Trying to pit us against them. Yep, yep. And it's really not us against them. Even no, it's people shameful. that We're are all not Americans. believers largely don't believe in most of this stuff. Right, they don't right. want their kids being taught right. this stuff. That's right. So it is, a, it is on us, and everybody. That- to that, get involved. And that goes back to one more point I want to make real quick is, you know, ask what you can do. Don't just, you know, look at the ballot and look at who's running for president and senator and for state senator and for uh, U.S. representative. The most important ballots right now are the down ballots, right? City council, things yeah. like that. School, uh, you know, school, school boards. boards. I mean, though, that's where we're losing the fight. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Judges. Yeah. You're right. Judges and school board and local government. Yep. Well, how, okay, my last question. Has politics impacted your faith? And if so, for the good or for the, for bad? I, I don't, uh, I mean, you can't, it, you can't say it hadn't impacted. The question is how. Um, you know, I go back to my original story and, you know, I can look all the way through my life now and see that God has all kinds of ways prepared me in little steps for the position he's got me in right now. Right. And so, um, it, if anything, it has helped me understand how much more I've got to rely on him because I don't have the skill sets to do this job and to do it well. Right. And, and realistically politics is not going to solve our country's problem. Right. right. We're in a spiritual battle first. That's right. And that's what's going to that's if God allows us to be redeemed in this nation, that's what's going to happen. And so made me even more acutely aware of that. Yeah, that's good. 
I think it's been a roller coaster, you know. I mean, you get discouraged sometimes because you feel hopeless, you know, and helpless. Uh, but just like Kevin said, you know, that also, uh, you know, makes you turn around and, and rely on your faith as well because, you know, you you feel like you have no actual control over the situation, but you know God does if you just let him. And so you have to basically just, you know, uh, you have to accept that. You have to uh, look for, uh, you know, for his direction on, on which way to, to go on certain issues. And, you know, I mean, it, you know, if you're open to it, you know, he'll help you uh, find the path to make a difference. But sometimes, you know, that path's not very obvious and sometimes that path's not readily available right. uh, and it doesn't come as fast as you want it to. And uh, right. I think that, you know, if I had my way, you know, and, it, and you know, uh, if, if, if God answered my prayers, uh, you know, uh, exactly like I, you know, as I prayed, uh, would have been, we had this fixed a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Right? But, <laughs> but, obviously, but obviously there are lessons still yeah. need to be learned, right? <laughs> That's right. But That's he's got right. a plan and sometimes, you know, things have to get worse before they get better. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things have to get bad enough that uh, other people, uh, you know, have their eyes open. And, and and we can we can change the direction that we're going. You you look. This is the first time in my lifetime that really as a Christian um, we're beginning to be persecuted. Right? Yeah. They've got a they've got a term for us now, Christian nationalists. Yeah. We look back in the Book of Acts. That's what spread the church around the globe. You're exactly right. So it, it's going to create opportunities. Yeah, it is. And I was just reading this morning. There's a scripture that says that trouble is necessary. It's necessary to build strength. It's necessary to remind us of what's important. What do we value? What does he value? Um, I want to just say that when I read this scripture, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. I see both of you doing that. And we see it and we appreciate it. And on those days when you feel like you are fighting this fight alone, there's a whole lot of us that are praying for you and are with you and we would do anything that would be helpful to you. So please know you can reach out to us and we'll do whatever we can um, to just represent the gospel uh, and live that kind of life. I really appreciate that. I have people come up to me often now and thank me for what I'm doing. And I remind them, Hey, we're all just called to do our part. Yeah. Right, We can't all be state senators or congressmen, but each one of us as believers is called to fulfill something on behalf of the movement. That's right. And so we're all in this together. That's so, right. So, yeah, thank you. You're welcome, but go do your part. Yeah. Which is kind of what you've, kind of what we're talking about today. That's right. We've all got to live that calling live worthy of it. Well, would you mind if I just pray for you as we close today? That'd be fantastic. All right. God, I thank you so much uh, for everyone, God, that's serving in our government, but in particular today for Kevin and for Ronnie. And I thank you, God, for all of the time and emotion and energy and passion, Lord, that they are putting into the call that you have on their life. And God, I just ask that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear, and hearts that can understand. And Lord, we just thank you that your word tells us that you order our steps. And though, just like Ronnie was saying, we wish we could see three miles down the road sometimes, uh, you're faithful, God, to light the next step, and the next step, and the next step. And no weapon formed against the church, against your will, God, or against these men will prosper. So God, I ask that you make them strong, that you give them a firmness in what they know and believe, and that you would make them steadfast. And Lord, we ask for favor. We ask for influence. And God, we ask that your will would be done 
in Texas, in Amarillo, in the United States, and in the world. And most of all, God, would you help us all to point everyone that we encounter to you. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. That was fun. Thank you. Well, it's that time of year. The banquet is coming up February 12th. Doors will open at 6 p.m. and you are invited. We're going to have a great evening of celebrating all that the Lord's doing in and through the ministry of Hope Choice. And we want you to join us. It's easy to sign up. It doesn't cost you a thing. You can go to hopechoice.com or email Mallory at mcockrell.com. February 12th, 6 p.m. I hope to see you there. Yes, and we also want to invite you to download the 1330 app. If you don't know, we have an on-campus ministry called 1330. And it also inside our 1330 building has a full coffee shop. It's conveniently located right off of 4th Street at 201 26th Street. There's tons of free parking in the back, so you don't have to mess with all of the campus parking. No. But we also have in the app the ability for you to make a mobile order in the app to the coffee shop. Mood changer tea. That's what you need to go for. It's the best. That's our favorite. It is a fan (laughs) favorite. You should try it. Yes. But not only will you get ministry updates about 1330, everything the Lord is doing, upcoming events, you'll also have that ability to put in a mobile order or contact us directly if you need anything that we can help you with there at the coffee shop. So come visit us there in Canyon, download the app and make reservations for banquet on February 12th. Absolutely. We'll see you there. You've been listening to the Candy Gibbs podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.